Hey guys, this is Pastor Josh from Fresh Church. We are so excited that you are joining us for our podcast today. I do want to tell you that we pray at Fresh Church that you would get involved in the local church in your city. The Bible says that those that plant themselves in the house of the Lord will flourish. And a podcast and an online experience, a YouTube uh, sermon is amazing, but it does not replace the local church, the hope of the world, the community, the family that God has placed all of us in. And so we hope you find that and we hope you enjoy this message today. And we're going to get right into the Bible. We love the Bible around here, so I hope you brought a Bible. Um, if you got an iPhone or an iWatch or an iPad or an iWhatever, get that out too. Um, or if you're a Samsung person, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10 is where we're going to be this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, we got a lot of scripture to get through. I love scripture. I love the Bible. It changes your life. Um, I, I, I want you to know that we've been in a season of 21 days of fasting and prayer around here, and I uh, really hope that that's going well for you. I hope that you're doing something, but I also want to let you know this coming Friday at 7. Everybody say Friday. It's Friday, Friday. Everybody's like, Rebecca Black in the day. Come on. Um, somebody's like, who's Rebecca Black? I don't know. Um, anyways, but uh, Friday. It's 7 p.m. right here. Somebody say right here. You, you, you need to circle that. You need to be here because we're going to do an awakening night. Um, we're part of a global church uh, called Celebration Church as well, too. All, campuses all over the world. And, uh, and, and a Friday at 7 p.m. all over the world in all different types of locations, they're having a, 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 we're having an awakening night. And so it's just going to be a big worship night. And it's going to be different than, than, than maybe what you're used to when you come in here on a Sunday. We're going to set it up differently and all that other stuff. And so, so you just need to be here. and need to invite like five people. Say five people, okay? Um, I, I, like I, I really want you to come. I really want you just to circle that and just go, I know that, you know, I may go do this on Friday, but you know what? I'm going to be here. I'm going to make a point to be here at 7 p.m. on Friday, and we're just going to be worshiping and celebrating what God has done in our lives through the fast over the last 21 days and, and awakening us into the month of February where God is going to continue to do stuff. So I just want to encourage you again um, to be here on uh, Friday at 7 p.m. Let's get into the Bible. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. It says, and now we are brothers and sisters in God's family. What is the and now referring to? Well, if you go back into Hebrews chapter 10, into verse 12, it says, but when this priest had offered the one supreme sacrifice for sin for all time, he sat down on a throne at the right hand of God. I love that. God doesn't mind sharing who he is. He's like, you sit right beside me. He, he doesn't want a son or a daughter that is far from him. He wants him right beside of him. And so guess what? Because of this sacrifice that this person made, Jesus, this priest that is talking about here in this passage, for the supreme sacrifice for sin for all time, he sat down on the throne at the right hand of God. And so that means that now, what is our position in Christ in heaven? We are sitting on the throne with Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And he's like, whoa, come on. This is where I want you. 
I want you close to me. That's why we can sing a song that says, you are closer than my skin. Because he wants you at the right hand of the Father. Because if you are in Christ, then where Christ is, that is where you are too. Amen? I I wanted to entitle this message this morning, Do I Really Believe the Bible? Because we're going to get into some stuff this morning that I just really don't think that we believe as Christians. Like we read it, but I don't think we really believe it. Because if we believed it, our vocabulary would be different. If we believed it, the way that we would interact with each other would be different. See, I, I, my, my season, I'm in a season of my life where I go, I want to, I'm just going to believe the Bible. Like, like I, I'm just going to believe what it says. I'm not going to question it. I'm not going to be like, no, 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 I don't know about this or this or this. Like some of you, you struggle so much with your faith and, and, and your, your, your mind games and all these things are going on in your life just because you don't really believe the Bible. Because you're like, it's too good to be true. Let me tell you something. If it's too good to be true, it's probably God. I'm just telling you. Like, but we live in a society that's like, if it's too good to be true, don't trust it. Hey, um, Abraham, yeah? You have a baby at 100. What? Please, that's way too good to be true. I've been waiting on a son. Here's Ishmael. Take him. He's my son. Nope. Hey, Sarah, I know you're 90 and old, and you don't want to get it on anymore, but guess what? We're going to, and you have a baby. What? This is hilarious. Like, this is way too good to be true. Yep, that's because it's me. That's because it's me. I believe that if it's too good to be true, it's not the shoes going to drop. It is, whoa, God's going to show up, and God is in it. And he's confirming that in my life. But we have to believe the Bible. So because of the sacrifice and because of what Jesus did on the cross, we get to Hebrews chapter um, 10, verse 19. And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family. Do you know who we are? Like some of you, you don't have a family here in Nashville. Well, guess what? Do you have a church family? And do you take advantage of that family? Because we, according to the Bible, we are brothers and sisters. I want to tell you something. I have a stepbrother and I have a half-brother, and I am um, way closer to um, uh, people in this room than I am my own, you know, people that are supposed to be my brother or sister. And, and that's not saying that I don't have work to do with my own siblings and things like that. And maybe some of you, you have a, a, a brother or a sister that you are like BFFs with and praise God. I pray that for my kids all the day, you know, that they will be best friends. But I also want you to know that, that it, you know, Jesus, he, he says, hey, your, your, your mom, your brothers, they're back here. They want to talk to you. And he goes, who's my brother? Who's my sister? Right here in front of me. The ones that do my will, that's my brother. That's my sister. So I, I want you to know you have a family. like. Jesus came so that the family could be restored. Do you realize that? So they're up in creation singing that three-part harmony. They're like, this would be great. Let's bring a fourth voice into it. Let's create Adam. Let's create Eve. Let's create all of these things. And then our family will just expand. And the love that we share together, us three, will then go into the humanity that we have created. And it will just be a big old, like, love fest together. It'll be absolutely awesome. Look at all these voices. They're going to be singing our harmonies together. But Jesus says, you know what? That's great. Um, God says, that's great. Holy Spirit says, that's great. 
but we got to give them free will. Because if they don't choose this love, then it's not really love. It's not really love. And then that's when the fall comes in and the family was fractured. But because of the cross, because of what I read before verse 19, that means that we are now brothers and sisters in God's family. Somebody say family. The family is restored. The family is restored. I love it. God wants a family because of the blood of Jesus. That's what he says. And he welcomes us into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and without hesitation. Now, I'm going to tell you why that this is really good news in just a minute. But here's something that I, this is one of the things that I don't think that we really believe. I think that we really believe that God is here and we are, oh, my gosh, God, I can't really enter into your gates. I can't really enter into to anything. I, I don't, you know, I'm just going to lay my requests, like, down to you. And I'm just going to hope that you're going to do something because I am so, like, you don't even want me. Like, like I'm, I'm just back here. Like, if you knew what I did yesterday. He knows what you did yesterday. He's God. And he still wants you close. He says, you still come in boldly to me. Look at this. Do you believe the Bible or not? He says, because of the blood of Jesus, because like we sang, when he looks at us, he sees us covered with the blood of Jesus, just like Andricus was having us sing today. And it says, he welcomes us. We are welcomed into the Trinity. Guys. Did you just hear me say that, or was, or was that speaking in Spanish or Portuguese or, or, or Greek or something? We are welcomed into the Trinity. He wants us there in conversation, listening to their conversation so that we can now know what to hear and what to do in our family's lives, in our circumstance, in our church, in our world, in all of these things. But we've got to go. He wants us there. It's not like he's like, oh, hey, you know, yeah, here's that little peasant and just put him in the back. Like, like, just put them in the back. They can be in the room with us, but they can, like, overhear the conversation and everything. But, like, you know, I, I, I don't, don't let them get too close to me. Oh, what does the Bible say? It says he welcomes us. He's like, I, you're welcome. Come on. Like, you can come on into this big old room with us. It's awesome. Look at this. This is so Cool, and not only are you welcome, but you can approach me boldly. How do you approach the Lord? How do you approach him? Like, yes, he's holy. But do, do, do you think that, like, Jesus approaches the Father just like, oh, hey, um, you got a minute, Dad? I'd like to talk to you. Like, I know you're busy but I'd really love to talk to you. He's like, no, he's my dad, right? Hey, I had three kids, and, and, and they will come and crashing into my room anytime they want. You know? Like, I could be dead asleep, and, and, and my five-year-old's like, Dad, wake up! I want to play video games! They have no problem telling me what they want. They are approaching me boldly. Is that the way it is with you? 
do you go into the presence of the Trinity knowing that you're welcome, knowing that you're accepted there, knowing that because of Jesus, like they want you there and they want to hear what you have to say and they want you to come boldly. It honors them when you come with your bold prayers. It honors God when you approach him boldly. When you say, I'm going to ask for the moon. You know why some of you don't have? Because you're not asking. Jesus teaches us this with his disciples over and over again. When you come, come. Come expecting. Come. Bring your request to me. And if it's in the will of the Father, then it will be done to you. That's what it says. It will be given to you. And so, but we've got to approach it boldly. We've got to go in there to the heavenly realm boldly and without hesitation. For he has dedicated, verse 20, a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us, somebody say, give us. This is why his body was open for us, torn open for us, broken for us. His blood shed for us to give us free and fresh access to him. You don't have to pay to get access to God. Who's your favorite celebrity? (laughs) Who's somebody that you'd be like, man, I would pay so much money to have access to that person. Right? The sad thing is that you would actually be looking forward more to paying somebody to have access to them then you have the God of the universe who can make anything happen for you. What's that person going to do? Sign your forehead with a Sharpie? What are they going to do? Write your check for a million dollars? That ain't happening. Come on. Jesus died to give us fresh and free access to him. And it gets better. And since we now have a magnificent high priest, who is this high priest? Jesus, to welcome us into God's house, we come closer, somebody say closer, to God and approach him with an open heart. We come closer to God with an open heart, and get this, fully convinced, fully convinced that nothing, break that word down, what is it? No thing. That no thing, that no thing in your life, that no thing that you have done, that no thing that you could ever do, get this, no thing will keep us at a distance from him. What is the thing that's keeping you from a distance from him? Because if there's a thing that's keeping you at a distance from God, then you don't get the gospel. Then you don't believe the Bible. This is why, again, I wanted to title this message, Do I Really Believe the Bible? Because some of you believe that there's a thing that is happening in your life. There's a thing that is in your life. There's a thing that is keeping you at a distance from God, and you can't approach him because of that thing. And that's not true. And here's why. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove, to remove. Our hearts were covered and sprinkled with the blood of Jesus to remove impurity, and we have been freed. Freedom! 
we have been freed from an accusing conscience. Where's your accusing conscience coming from? It's not coming from the Lord. It's not coming from the Lord. It's coming from your old man, and it's coming from the enemy. That's where it's coming from. And now, this is the part that I don't think we really believe. Now we are clean. Now we are unstained. Now we are presentable to God inside and out. Do you really believe the Bible? Do, do, do you really believe that you are clean? Do you really believe that you're unstained? Think about that word, unstained. That because of the blood of Jesus, that all the stain of sin and selfishness and Everything else that existed in your life before Christ. The saddest thing is that there are people that say that they believe the gospel. And, 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 and this is, I think, even me for years. And, and this is why God has me here is to, to free people that are not believers, but free people that are believers. To really embrace the Bible. The gospel to teach it for what it is. And for you to live a life believing that you are unstained because of Jesus. So every time you remember those stains, again, that's an accusing conscience that's not from God. And it happens. I was sitting right down there before I, I preached, and, and, and the, the, the enemy was just bringing up all these things that were accusing me, stuff that... that and, and I'm sitting there, why, why are you doing that? And I don't know why, because I was getting ready to come up here and preach this. And preach this to you. And what I got to tell the devil is that you go back to hell with those thoughts where you came from, because guess what? I am clean. I am unstained. I am pure. I am presentable to God inside and out. What if you really believed the gospel? What confidence you would have when you would walk into a room? What, 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 what amazing, like, just, you, I am pure. I am clean. I am presentable. I am presentable. That's why I can approach God so boldly. That's why he wants me there, because he doesn't see me as, oh, there's that stain. Oh, yeah, you, your junior year of high school, that's why you got to stand in the back of my room of my throne room, because I still remember that. But according to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17, it says, I will not ever again remember their sin and lawless deeds. This is the Bible. Wait a minute. Because I'm covered with the blood of Jesus, God doesn't remember my sin and lawless deeds. 
I sure do. Well, that's from the devil. Hey, here's a thought. There's this, this Puritan pastor that believed this, and he wrote this back in like the 1600s. He said, um, we are supposed to become like the one we worship. So you guess what that means? This is awesome. He doesn't remember my stains and my lawless deeds and my sin. So guess what? I don't have to either because I become like the one that I worship. That's how you can actually know if you're growing in your faith. Are you becoming like the one that you worship? Are you becoming like the God that you read about in the Bible? Are you becoming like him? Or are you still becoming more like the world? Are you still becoming more like your neighbor? Are you still becoming more like your mom or your dad or your boss or whatever it is around you? When we are becoming more like love, when we are becoming more like the Father, when we're becoming more like Jesus, when we're becoming more like the Holy Spirit, that's how we know. Come on. This is such good news, guys. You don't have to remember your sin and sit around and remember it anymore because the Father doesn't remember it. He sees you through the lens of Jesus. It's so good. It's the gospel. It's the Bible. If we would really, really believe it. So now, in light of all that that I just said, Wrap your heart tightly around the hope. What is your heart wrapped around tightly? You know why some of you got heartbroken so bad by somebody? Because your heart was wrapped around the wrong thing. You know why losing that job devastated you? Losing that relationship, losing that loved one? not saying that we're not supposed to, to, to have our hearts intermingled with certain people because God does want us to love. But our hearts should ultimately be wrapped tightly around the hope that lives within us. And that is Jesus. I want you to ask yourself this question, what is my heart wrapped tightly around today? Is it Jesus or something other than Jesus? Because my heart should be forever wrapped tightly around Jesus. Knowing that God always keeps his promises. So that means that no matter what my circumstance looks like, I have a promise. This is what I love. I was thinking about this at, uh, this week. One of my mentors was talking about this to me. And I was like, man, that's so good. You know why David had no problem stepping out and facing Goliath? Because all, everybody else was a chicken, right? Like, this 15-year-old boy, however old he was, you know, he just stepped right out there. He had no problem. You know why? Because earlier in his life, when he was 13, he had Sam come up to him, and Sam said, get down on a knee, and I'm going to anoint you, and I'm going to give you a prophetic word, and I'm going to give you a promise that you are to be king. And so he believed the promises of God. And so when the giant came in his life, guess what he did? He stepped out onto the field and got the rock and the sling and went, boom, you ain't taking me down because I've got a promise. What are the promises of God in your life? And if you will just believe you guys getting this thing? This is good. 
I'm telling you. Like, if you would just believe that the promise that somebody gave you is greater than what the world or the circumstance that you're in is telling you, then you can get through it and you can go with confidence and be like, this giant is not going to get me either because I've got a promise from God that I'm going to live, that I'm going to survive, that this financial situation isn't going to take me down, but whatever it is, I've got a promise and the giant is going down and guess what will happen? Once I defeat that giant, I will be then as big as that giant was to me. I've got a promise because God's promises never fail. God's promises never fail. Do you believe that? If you believed that, then your circumstance wouldn't look so big. And your promise would always be bigger than your circumstance. What are the promises of God for you? God always keeps his promises. And it says, in light of all this, discover creative ways to encourage others and motivate them toward acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expression of love. I love that. Let's discover creative ways to encourage one another. I want you to think about your life right now. Who is one person? This Because here's the thing. I can talk to you about encouragement all day long, but if you don't like actively, practically do it, it doesn't matter. So close your eyes for just a moment, and I want you to think of one to three people this week, right now, that you need to be creative and encouraging this week. And I want you to write them a postcard or a letter or an email or a text or do something creative. Hey, husbands. Buy your wife some flowers with a note on it that says, you are the most beautiful thing in the whole entire world. I love you. Go and randomly just send one of your best friends a gift card and just say, man, I just want to say thank you. Like God uses you in my life big time. What, what is it? Discover, I love it, it says discover creative ways to encourage one another. Like, you are one of the most creative people on the whole entire planet because the most creative God lives in you. So let's discover in creative ways to encourage one another. And when we encourage them, what are we encouraging them to do? To motivate people toward acts of compassion, toward doing beautiful works, toward expressions of love. He says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. This is not the time to pull away. This is the time for us to come together. This is the time for us to keep growing this congregation and keep growing and going, God, you're going to add more. You're going to do this and this and this. We're going to believe for more. This is the time for us to come on a Friday night at 7 p.m. when we've already got other stuff going on, but we're going to cancel it and get here because this is the time for us to not neglect to meeting together. But we need the presence of God. We need to sing in the harmony of heaven. We need to be in his presence. We know what matters in this life. We want to be used. We want to be partnered with the Holy Spirit and the Father and Jesus to go out and do good things on the planet. Come on. This is not the time to neglect. People are like, oh, man, and just go to church on Sunday once a week, man. I'm good. Really? We want to follow the Bible. They met every single day. 
Just saying. Just saying. And some of us is like, you know, I guess I'm going to go to church today. I don't know. I guess I'm going to do this. I guess I'm going to, you know. No, don't neglect meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently. How? Eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. You know why we're here this morning? Is You know why I'm preaching this? You, 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 know, you know why I'm, I'm trying to make you want to get it so bad? I just want to get in all your brains. Just be like, just where's the light flip? I just want to flip it on. Because this stuff's flipped on for me, and it's, it changes my life. When you would just believe the Bible, it would change your life. So I just want to encourage you so bad. I just want to, like, urge you onward. That's why I'm so passionate about it. That's why sometimes I get a little loud. Because I want you to get it. I want to urge you onward. I want to urge you onward as I anticipate the day where I get to fully stand in the presence of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But I also want to urge you on to go, yes, that day is beautiful, but Jesus has taught us to pray that on earth as it is in heaven. So we have a worldview of we're not waiting for heaven because heaven has already come to us. We're believing that. But you know how we live in that? By actually believing the Bible. By actually believing what it says. So I want to encourage you to close your eyes for a moment. I don't know what stood out to you today, but I want you to to think about that. What, What is one thing right now that you just go, wow, man, the Holy Spirit revealed that to me. Through this message today, through the Word of God, the beautiful Word of God. I want to encourage you, all of this is waiting for you every single day if you'll pick up a Bible. I just want to preach the word at this church. Because this is what you need. Or is there anything else? Just us continuing to discover him through his word. Do you really believe that you're clean? Our band's going to make their way back up, and as they do, I... Do you really believe that you're presentable to God? Do you really believe that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit want you close to them? Are you becoming like the God that you worship? Maybe you are becoming like a God that you're worshiping, but it's not the God of the Bible. It's the God of consumerism or social media or whatever the world has told you that you need to be or look like or do. But it's actually not God. 
I believe that I could probably look at every single one of our lives and I could tell you what, God, that you're becoming like more and more. What is God like? He's beautiful. He shares his love. He delights in having us close to him. I imagine that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father, if you were to ask the Father what he loves about Jesus, I think he would say, wow. Do you know what Jesus did? He restored all that was broken. He gave me access to you again. Full access. Being the perfect sacrifice. He gave me access to look at you as clean and pure and presentable. He restored the family. Oh, he's so good. And Jesus would say, the Father, Father, Lavished his love on me so that I could lavish that love through the cross on you. Jesus would say, The Spirit, the Spirit empowered me to do it all. And now the Holy Spirit empowers you to do everything that Father and me are telling you to do. Isn't it beautiful? This is what a real relationship with God looks like. It's totally different than consumeristic Christianity. It's totally different. So, Father, open eyes and open hearts right now in this room to who you truly are, the way that you delight everyone here. The way that you love them. Show them your kindness, your gentleness, your mercy, your patience, your self-control, your peace. And I pray that we would truly begin to walk out of here wanting to believe the Bible to really believe what you say we are and what the work of the cross has really done. So I'm going to be up here. There's some other people that are going to be up here. You just need prayer. Whatever it is, just want to worship in this time, worship. But respond 
to what God just put in your heart somehow, some way. Respond. We love you, Jesus.